now arriving downtown Santa Monica Station. Hey Adam, it's time for notes on your notes. I'm Adam Lesser. And I'm Joshua Townsend Zellner. Welcome to Notes on Your Notes, a podcast about the creative process and storytelling. Buenas noches. Buenas noches, senor. Um, buenos dias. Como esta usted? Oh, muy, muy fantastico. <laughs> muy fantastico. <laughs> so, I have a question for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you ever made a decision out of fear? Wow. Adam. <laughs> I love how you just jump right in. Have I ever made a decision out of fear? Absolutely. I can't imagine anyone on this planet, at least at one point in their life, making a decision out of fear. I mean, all of our decisions are either based on out of fear or, fear, uh, or out of love. Broadly. Uh, yeah, using the biggest stroke. The yeah. biggest stroke. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we even have a, a phrase for it. It's called FOMO. Right. If I don't go do X... Yeah. If I don't go to the carnival in Brazil with my friends, <laughs> my life will never be the same. Right. If fear of missing out, you know, if I don't, yeah, if I don't, if I don't go to the Hollywood Bowl, I'm going to miss a concert. Or, if I don't take that class, I'll uh, never be good at what I'm going to try to do. If right. I don't. Right. If I don't take that class with Joshua, you know, <laughs> yeah. down in downtown yeah, LA downtown. on Thursday nights at 630, boy, how am I? <laughs> that's fear. Or you could do the same choice out of love, which is like, oh my God, I, I love to create. I love to write. I love to explore. Oh, look at this class. Oh my gosh. I, I'm so drawn. That, that's true. F- very different energy, even though it's the same physical action. That's another huge thing in terms of the acting writing world. It's like you can do the, you can do the exact same physical action and based on whether it's based on fear or love will look and feel very different. What's that Chaz Palminteri movie where there's, is it, it's set in the Bronx, but anyways, there's a scene where he's sitting at a restaurant Mm -hmm. and he says, is it better to be loved or is it better to be feared? Ah, mm -hmm. and what's his answer? I believe he says it's better to be feared. Yeah, because he's in the Bronx. Well, I think it's a mob movie. (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you want to have fear because fear is, uh, is a controlling energy. Fear is a stronger motivator than love. A lot of arguably, people, uh, arguably, uh, a, a lot of people. It's easier in, to in, in the small, in the micro, in the micro, in the short term, in the fight or flight kind of you know situation. Uh, yeah, and, and it, then, it pumps you full of adrenaline too. Right. So, which gets us to like a question which I know that you think a lot about, which is like, what happens when you put your characters in a state of fear? When you put your characters in a state of fear, you really get into that place where you honestly believe the character, the person honestly believes in that moment that there's really only one option. And when you're trying to run away from something that's Godzilla. about to, yeah, Godzilla, it's a good idea to have a, a mono focus and, and, and to be total tunnel vision because it's like, let me out of here totally get that however as a creative artist you want to be in the opposite position you don't want to be in such a lockdown position like for instance i watch these movies and what i find fascinating is that someone is in a problem and their way to get out of their problem is that if she and she comes up with this brilliant idea is that if only she can murder her husband then everything will be okay 
and then she has to go convince somebody else to help her right and that's the movie or that's the or that's the tv show and and the other person agrees because because they have a total lockdown tunnel vision and that's amazing and what's more amazing is that we as an audience go along with it we go along with it because we empathize with the character's situation and that's where that thing of being uh, able to um, believe the imaginary circumstances, and that's why it has to be drawn in a believable way. It can't be just drawn of like, oh, you, you, uh, you threw out my plant. I have to kill you now. It's like that would be like, what? That wouldn't, that wouldn't make sense. Yeah, but on some level, we'd have to see some sort of revenge cycle or some sort of like uh, mounting bills that can't be paid or the husband's being mean to her. We. I think what is sometimes challenging in storytelling is putting your characters into situations that bring them deeper and deeper into their fear mm-hmm. until they make that decision, that choice yeah. that is shocking, but believable. Yeah. And it's sort of like you slowly back them into that. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's setting up the realistic expectation based on their character, based on the circumstances they're in. Yes. Based on their available choices where that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you sometimes talk about the Breaking Bad pilot. Mm-hmm. What's interesting about the Breaking Bad pilot is that uh, he's got in the opening, he's got cancer. Mm-hmm. He's going to die. He thinks he's going to die. Mm-hmm. And we provide enough reason for us to believe like that he's so beaten down by life that it's reasonable that he would then use his expertise as a chemist to create meth. Mm-hmm. Right. And they do that pretty quickly. They convince us. You know, I wonder how much of that is convincing. Let's say Walter White doesn't have cancer. Right. And let, like then how does it feel that he's manufacturing meth? Now he's just like another guy who's making meth. And then we're asking, well, why is he doing that? It's called justification. So that's what that's what a good writer does is they give plausible justification that we could we as an audience member won't it makes it so that we can buy in we can buy in but in a real way and an empathetic way. I think that's right. It's also moral because the really the really good conflicts are always a moral dilemma like they know that they should do a certain thing morally it's morally wrong to make meth and to put that out into the world but it's also morally right to take care of your handicapped child which is what they give them or the writers give them and your family and the other problems and 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 self-preservation so you're caught between a rock and a hard place which is what you want to leverage as a writer as a as an actor yeah i agree there's also some other small thing going on in that breaking bad pilot that's interesting to me which is that it's the moral, I think we forgive them partially because there's a moral good in supporting your family mm-hmm. after you're, you're dying, mm-hmm. you know, and caring for your handicapped child. There's something else going on there, though, about relatability to being beaten down by, because, you know, they have them doing a second job at the car wash. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something relatable where I think everybody in capitalist society maybe not just capitalist society and society relates to like just struggling. He's just struggling. Well, he, he's every man. I mean, he's every man, yeah. you know, and a name is Walter White, you know, white, Yeah. you know, and yeah, you're absolutely right. That that's part of the justification that he needs to, to rear up and to fight, to fight for what is his, because he was, uh, that, 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 that company that he worked for 
and then he lost all of his shares yeah. or whatever that 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 part of the storyline was and he lost the wife or the girl or whoever it was the his romantic interest at the time to the owner of that place so you know he's really beaten down he's uh, willie loman Oh. You know, the other thing I just realized is that in uh, in uh, A Christmas Carol, uh, you know, uh, Scrooge, um, Scrooge also, uh, Charles Dickens also did the same thing. He gave um, Cratchit, the guy in The Worker, his son is also a cripple, Tiny Tim. Yeah. That's right. So, so it's you know these are these are th- these are these are leverage points that that we use as writers to access what we need to do in order to make our our story compelling. That's right. I think sometimes the trick is just showing our characters being pushed, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and not responding yet. I think that's what's, what's interesting. And I think that's what sometimes people do is like mm-hmm. in all of these experiences, whether it's the woman who decides to kill her husband, whether it's Walter White, part of the setup is showing them pushed for a period right before they act out. Yes. And I think that is a little bit of an art of not giving us too much too soon mm-hmm. so that we really kind of start to buy in so that the behavior we set up later makes sense to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately you're pushing up against a character's misbehavior. That's ultimately what, what you're doing in that time frame. So Walter's misbehavior, Walter White's misbehavior is that he has the arrogance of a loser. He's arrogant, and but he's also a loser in terms of the way we perceive people right. in our world. And he wants to, he wants to get what's his. That's part of that thing, and they make fun of him like he something about a gun and a fiftieth birthday party, and everyone kind of chides him and makes fun of him for yeah. he couldn't, you know. So he's also like the nerd within the guy of his all the police guys. Yeah, yeah. You, you couldn't shoot a gun. I think it's something like that. Yeah, they threaten his masculinity at his birthday. Yeah. His, his brother-in-law. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that scene. Um, yeah, they, they push him around a lot. But, but specifically around his misbehavior that's going, to be, that's going to be demonstrated on the other side. One way of thinking about it, if you're writing, is to think about your character and what is going to push the button of your character and make them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then don't have them react yet. Or have him react in very subtle ways, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but not don't give us the full cathartic outburst yet. Mm-hmm. You know, the same way we don't get the full, we don't even get really get an outburst from Brian Cranston's character until later in the show. But we just see the behavior, which is that he starts cooking math. Right, and we start to see it welling up, and we start to see the little the little spurts and the sparks. But we also do this in romantic comedies, which is the exact same thing. In terms of having a having a misbehavior, setting it up, and pushing the characters so that they have to take action. Uh, is there something that comes? I'm curious about that in in the romance sort of world. Like, what is there something that comes to mind? Well, I wrote a I wrote a romantic comedy once, and I'll I'll, I'll that, just huh? I'll just share the, the the stuff. You know, the the guy the guy is uh, down and out, and you know he's struggling, and he's. He's trying to just um, carve out a life as as a writer, 
And so he leaves his ap- so it's one morning. Uh, yeah. So he leaves his apartment. He goes down. He goes down to take the. Uh, he goes to get in his car, but the, his car doesn't start. So then he walks down to Sunset Boulevard to take the bus, and then he uh, and then his his bus pass doesn't work because it's out of thing. And so he winds up walking. He sh- w- shows up like a half hour late to work. It's all sweaty. The boss calls him, and he 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 get you know he's fired because of that. And then he's like, oh great. So then he goes and goes to have lunch with his girlfriend. And his girlfriend dumps him, you know, saying, "Look, I can't do this anymore. You don't have a car." And so then, oh no, no, I no, I, I had, I had so that he got on the bus on the way to work, and then on the way back from work after he he gets fired and he dumps by his girlfriend, he he tries to get on the bus, but his card's invalid, <laughs> so he can't even take the bus. Yeah. And then he walks all the way home, and then he gets home, and then his 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 apartment's on fire, so nice. now he's homeless. So you know, that's that's really great. You literally take everything away from the character because he he's stagnant and he hasn't done anything with his life. Oh, well, maybe it was my documentary that I was writing. Oh, oh. and that um, and that you you then force you then force action because he has no. Oh, and so that's what he decides to do. Then he says, "Well, look, I have nothing left." So he t- he finds a couple of things that aren't burnt in his apartment, puts them in his bag, and decides that he's just going to walk down Sunset Boulevard. Um, until he hits the ocean and just keep walking. And then he goes to Australia? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. There you go. I like it. Yeah. But but that's that that's that thing that we were just talking about, which is that incremental of like taking stuff away, pressurizing however yeah, you want to no, say it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, totally. It's like what are the conditions for change? For change. Yeah. So here's here's what I really want to um, bring home, which is the writer has to come from a place of openness, expansion, and possibility, whereas the character has to come from a place of being locked down, there is no other option, choices are narrowed, fear, and, and, and the feeling is that there is no other option but to hire this man to kill my husband in order to get out of the pain I'm in. So you've brought this up before, which I think is a good point, which is that sometimes when writers hammer out uh, a plot, mm-hmm. which hopefully comes from character, what a character would do in given situations. But they hammer this out, and they then go to write the scenes, and the scenes are like, well, he, you know, the woman has to then call her ex in this scene because she's upset about what just happened with her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And you sometimes will point out, you're like, well, she, did, the character doesn't know that. The writer knows that. Yeah. But the character doesn't know that the, that the way she's going to deal with this fight with her boyfriend is by calling her ex. And when you just force the behaviors on without their feeling like the, the organic, we organically got there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It feels like then this happens, then mm-hmm. this happens, then this happens. It starts to feel predictable. Mm-hmm. And I think sort of the art that you're talking about is the writer is open to any possibility for the story. Mm-hmm. for any all the options so when the writer she sits down to write the story and to map it out she has a completely open sense she's got a storyboard she's got note cards whatever she is she's exploring all facets of these characters and what they want she's making discoveries and then in the scenes we have to then feel like there's only one decision that character could make I don't. Well, let me rephrase it. Not that there's only one decision, but that when that character makes that one decision, yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. It's. I call it trackable. It's trackable. I can follow it. 
It may not make sense in terms of logic, but I can, and this is a, this is a, a high distinction, but it doesn't necessarily need to make logical sense, but it needs to make a make emotional sense. Right. That's an important difference. It, yeah. We need to feel like it's not logical that Walter White should cook math, but emotionally we're like, we understand that feeling of being trapped. It's not logical that you want to have your husband killed, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but emotionally we get it and then we'll have the buy-in. Yeah. Yeah. Am I am I characterizing that difference between the writer's perspective and the character's perspective properly? Yeah, there's it's something you talk about a lot, and I feel like I do talk we're about trying a lot. to concretize that. I am. I, I'm constantly trying to make this really real and tangible because here's the thing: is that the writer goes, "Well, the character has to make this." I'm going to use your example. The character has to make this phone call because because after the phone call, you know, uh, she's going to go to his house. Well, why does she have to go to his house? Well, because it says it in the script. Yeah. I'm like, well, there is no script. There's only a moment-to-moment -moment reality. And what that means is, is l let's say, let's say the, there's a lady and she's really upset about something with, that her boyfriend did and she's sitting in her apartment and she goes to call him. Um, smart, smart would go, um, or different, would go, she picks up the phone to call him, puts it down, picks up the phone, puts it down. You know, it's just like human beings do. Like they're neurotic. They're they're completely jammed inside, and they don't know what to what they should call or pick up the keys and go over and assault them, or you know, or or just you know slide down the wall. And what we're interested as human beings watching another human being on the screen or on the stage or in a book is 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 what are they going to do next? Yeah. And so we need to be on that train. Yeah. And we need to like forget the good idea that we have of what's going to happen yeah. next and really go to have depth. And from that depth, she makes the phone call. Yeah, I love that. I love even in your example, which is she picks up the phone, she puts down the phone. Yeah. When we actually feel like the characters in the midst of making the decision, do I go left or right? Mm -hmm. We love that feeling as an audience because mm -hmm. we actually are like, what are they going to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. There was some showrunner who talked about this. Um, but it's like, what is the unexpected behavior that your character could do in this situation that would still track to who they are in their character? You know, And it's not that you necessarily make them do that, but you should know what the other options are. What are, what are the considerations? Well, that's what I'm talking about when I say the, 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 um, the writer needs to have the intention and then it has to be in the field of possibilities. Whereas the, the actor, or the character, I should say, not the actor, it's the character. The character has a diminishing perspective of possibilities and that's why they feel like a rat in a, ra a rat in a rat in a maze rat in a maze a rat in a maze or a caged animal and that's when we get like oh my god they're trapped what are they going to do yes. are they going to lash out are they going to you know yeah and and it, while it's good to have the idea of like this of like um what, what word did you use uh what else is not possible, but you said... Uh, unexpected. Unexpected. Yeah, unexpected is, is because you can go random unexpected, but you can also uh, double down on your emotional state and, and work. Ah, that's where you want to work with environment because in your environment, in a real way, I have a phone, I'm going to pick it up, I'm going to put it down, I'm going to, put it, put it, I'm going to turn the light on, I'm going to turn the light off. You know, all these repetitious behaviors that we do um, knowingly or consciously or unconsciously, knowingly or unknowingly, to prime us to either go out and and confront the the, the guy or or to sit down there and just sob. Or, but it's also about holding tension. This conversation is so layered. I can't. I mean, like my yeah, mind is like is well, like I think, exploding. I think what it is is that you and I have talked about this so much, mm -hmm. and I've thought about it a lot. 
because I make these mistakes in my own writing. And you and I actually had a conversation last week where I realized I was making a big mistake in a pilot I was writing um, around where the character was emotionally at the open. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think about this a lot because it's like, it's a very subtle thing to get right. It's really hard, it feels like to me sometimes. And like I was watching The Fighter uh, on Sunday. Mm -hmm. The Fighter was this uh, film directed by David Russell. Mm. Uh, with Christian Bale and uh, Mark Wahlberg and Amy Adams. And um, it's basically a story about family. You know, mm-hmm. it's about it's about a boxer. It's a true story. But Mark Wahlberg's character has this shot of being a really great boxer. But he's from Lowell, Massachusetts. He's from this uh, Irish-American family where... And he's expected to stay loyal to the family, even though the family is keeping him back. You know, his brother, played by Christian Bale, is a crack addict. And he is expected to train him and... And, so, and, you, so, and he's so, offered so, ways out. So, 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 so that's moral conflict. Moral conflict. He's got to choose that's between the love of his family, great, and his his own dreams to become. Yeah. And from the outside, you're, you know, and he gets offered. Someone offers to pay him to fly into Las Vegas and train him, mm-hmm. get him out of Lowell, and he says no. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like it's such an interesting thing because what makes it what makes it interesting for us is watching the character feel trapped emotionally. Yeah. And we have to watch him feel trapped emotionally for a solid hour yeah. to hour and 20 minutes for it to have any meaning when he makes the other decision, right? So he finally gets yeah. around minute 70, he gets to a point where he says, um, I will no longer train with my brother, right? Because mm-hmm. the brother, right? And then Amy Adams is his love interest. Mm. And she's the one telling him, you got to let go of your family. You mine, go your- she's mine too. She's mine. <laughs> There's something um, <laughs> enchanting about Amy Adams for sure. And, uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, and I was watching it this time because I was really tracking it emotionally. Mm. Uh, and I'm, I've always been a big Mark Wahlberg fan. Mm-hmm. I think he's a very underrated actor. I think he gets underrated acting because yeah. he had an early career as a cheesy pop star. And he's handsome. And he's handsome. And, and, and yeah, he did, but he, Christian he, he did, handsome and no he, one's like, he did no those, one gives him shit. Well, because he, he, he did those uh, underwear commercials with what's his name? Oh, uh, yeah. Mark. Yeah. He's like a sex symbol. You're right. Yeah. 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 He was that guy. Yeah. Um, I think he's a really underrated actor. I think I think he's one of those people. He is. He's good. Who like in twenty years people will look back and be like, you know, this guy was better than we thought. And um, I agree. And I want to say, Mark, come see, come <laughs> come to our show. We have a lovely studio here in West Hollywood. Yeah. My dad had lunch with him. No way. Yeah. One degree of separation, dude. <laughs> what, was, what was he talking about? It's a long story. Okay. Um, but, but I mean, is there a chance? I mean, can we? Can we I don't think it, we have a chance to get Mark Wahlberg on the show. <sighs> Maybe. We do love his work. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good fans. start. But anyways, what he does really well in that movie is we just feel how trapped he is by this family. Rat in a maze. And so when he finally makes the other choice, mm-hmm. we have the catharsis. Mm-hmm. But the problem from the writer level is that if you know that he's eventually going to step away from his family to pursue his dream... Mm-hmm. I don't know how it works, but it's like imperceptibly that knowledge seeps in to the story and it becomes somehow predictable. Like, and that you start has, setting up that, mm-hmm, that departure mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in these weird ways that we can sense as an audience. And so it's less, less meaningful and true when it happens. Dude, I, I can't even tell you how excited I am right now. And you're absolutely right. And, and, and that has to be, that stuff has to be weeded out from, from the giddy up. 
because if I smell it, if I taste it, if I touch it, um, it's predictable. And, right. and, and I'm just waiting. I, and, 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 it, and it goes into, it infects the actor. It infects the director. It infects the editor. And then, and then you're just like, okay, hurry up. Get to the thing where you say yes. As this an, is the as challenge with romantic comedies. It's, it's because also, it's, all romantic comedies basically in the same way. And any, any heavy genre. It, it, it's, I mean, it's more acceptable for some reason in slasher films because it's more cheesy, I guess. But you could, do this, you could say the same thing about dramas, about doing certain formulaic setups. But it's true. You have to guard against that at every at every and and every time you can cut in. This is why it's so important to have this ideal future for the character because the character is always pushing for this ideal, and then and then life comes in and hits him by hits him or her by the two by four. But I have to have a trajectory of of forget about how the script goes. How do I want my day to go? And and if I really invest in that, okay. I was watching some horrible cop show, and I don't watch those. I only watch them because I'm on the treadmill. Okay. Josh goes to the gym. I go Spoiler to the gym. Alert. Spoiler alert. So I'm watching it, and I swear to God, this happened. So it's like, it's like, oh, sergeant, you got to give me one more chance. I know I can fix. I know I can figure this thing out, or whatever it is. No, you have to stay. I want your badge, you know, or whatever. It's one of mm-hmm. those scenes, right? And so um, the the cop. We'll call him the cop and the sergeant. So the cop's like begging for what he wants. The sergeant's saying no. And so finally, um, finally, the cop or the actor playing the cop sits back in his chair. Like literally, I'm, I'm doing it right now, but he literally like his butt goes from like the forward thing to the back part of the, of the thing. And in that moment, I know he's not going to get what he wants hmm. because the actor gave up, which is not what the character would do. And so sure enough, you know, 45 seconds later, the sergeant kicks him out of the room and says, you get out of here. You're no longer on the force. Here's what I wonder about this. But that's how, that's what yeah, you're talking about. Yeah, but here's about. what I wonder about this. Yeah, wonder. We blame that actor for giving it away, but maybe it was given away much earlier by the writer. That there's it, somehow it's in that script that the writer can't see. There's something with the language <laughs> where when those actors sat down to read the script, they were just feeling it in their bones that they knew... It's like, I don't know, like when Nora Ephron wrote When Harry Met Sally, mm-hmm. they, they do not get together in a heart opening. They sleep together at the end of the second act, but they actually don't come together until the last four minutes of that movie. Okay. We have to, in some level, believe the whole time that there's a possibility that they will not get together. Right. We have to believe that for 120 minutes. Right. And we're most rom-coms kind of fail is that we don't really ever believe that and because the conflict is so heavy between billy crystal and meg ryan Mm -hmm. and they're so diametrically opposed in their character Mm -hmm. that contributes to our belief around that it it has to be internal and external the conflict which i harry mitzelli does and that's why we talk about it 20 30 40 years later whenever it was made and that's why because a lot of them are not that successful and that we do, we do, we're just waiting for the next scene to happen so they can get to the next scene to the next scene. But we can't blame, you were blaming the writer before, and I'm going to say, yeah, yes and no. It's like, yes, it's better to work with better material, absolutely. And if you don't have better material, you, it's, in, it's, it's incumbent upon the actor to find it in themselves to make it better in the moment and not give yeah. up. Because that, that's an emotional stake. It's not, yeah. It has nothing to do with the writing as I, such. I agree. 
And in collaborative art form, you know, you would even say you could cut that scene. They could have, they could have cut differently. They could have cut around him leaning back. They could, the editor, the editor, right? The there editor are a lot of factors Absolutely. that they could have done to make that that scene feel different. Uh, and that's what I'm saying. It infects everyone because yeah. everyone knows yeah. how it goes, and you need to have everyone on board because you're right. It is a collaborative art form. Everyone needs to be on board with with this mission of like, how long can you hold the suspense? And it got by the producer too. Yeah, you know. Um, and these are subtle things. It's like I, I know in my heart of hearts that most people wouldn't notice that. But you know what? I also know in my heart of hearts that most people would feel that. Oh, they would. They wouldn't be able to consciously articulate it. Yeah. The way but, you can because you've studied this yeah. your whole life. But, yeah. But they would feel it. But they would feel it. Absolutely. Experience for yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. So the other thing I want to talk about, which is we have to do for another episode, it's called point of entry because point of entry is is tied into what we're talking about here. I'm just going to not say anything and then leave you guys hanging for the next episode whenever <laughs> Josh decides to talk to me about point of entry. <laughs> All right. I think that's it. I think we rambled. We didn't actually ramble. I think we were no, really we, trying to, we were trying to hack away to something that I think has been on our minds for the last year. And we did really well. I feel, I feel like we, yeah, we, we, right. we gained some ground and hopefully it'll um, find um, land in someone's heart and mind in a certain way. I'm going to actually listen to this episode next time I write. Oof. Oof. All right. This has been Notes on Your Notes. Facebook and Instagram, you got to like us. Also, because you want to DM Joshua there and get the location for the October 20th uh, storytelling event, second year anniversary, vegan food extravaganza that will be uh, our, our 100th episode to your anniversary party in downtown LA. You can rate us on the iTunes and Apple Podcast Store. That would be super helpful for us. Mark Wahlberg, we want to invite him as well. <laughs> Oh, along with Amy, Amy Smart, Amy, Amy Adams, Amy Adams. Wanna... I don't think Amy Adams is coming on the show, but that would be cool too. Well, you know, <laughs> there's hope. She's also an arrival. One of my favorite movies. Really? Which one? Uh, arrival. She plays the lead scientist. Oh, I don't know that one. Check it out. Yeah. She's, it's, uh, came out of Eric Heiser with the script. It was uh, directed by Denis Villeneuve. Hmm. Uh, he made Sicario. It's great. It's really good. Hmm. And I'm not a sci-fi fan. Mm. It's really not even sci-fi. It's about, I don't even know what it's about. It's about what it is to like understand the trajectory of your life. You, I, I can tell you what it's about because I have a sense of it. It's about how people interact with each other. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that good? That's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the music on the show is courtesy of Kevin McLeod. The editing and sound design is courtesy of me. We will talk to you next week. Bye.